Thanks for tuning into the XL Legal Podcast, an interview-based podcast for lawyers devoted to practice excellence and wellness tips. I'm your host, Shelley Appleby-Ostroff, legal talent development consultant, writing coach, and former practicing lawyer, and I'm so happy you're here. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Canada's expert nutritionist, Rachel Cavan, about nutrition for busy professionals. Welcome to the XL Legal Podcast, Rachel. Thanks for having me, Shelley. Well, thanks so much for being here. How about getting us started by introducing yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Rachel Cavan. I've had my business, Cavan Nutrition, in Ottawa for 14 years now. And we help mostly busy people. Uh, we do have lots of lawyers as clients. Uh, we have doctors, nurses, moms, dads, parents, like you name it. Uh, we help people to basically live their best life, whether their goals are weight loss, improving their digestion, improving their hormones, to feel and look their best with really great and easy nutrition. That's the key. It's super easy. We take out all the guesswork for you so that you know exactly what to do and exactly what to eat for your body. I love that. I love that. So I'm just wondering, though, there's so much talk about eating well and, um, you know, proper nutrition, but what really are the benefits of focusing in on your nutrition and eating more healthily? That's a great question. So usually when we think of eating healthy, we think of diets and we think of calories and we think of eating salads and it's almost this restrictive mindset where we try not to eat very much because we've associated eating with gaining weight. So I think one of the most important things a person can do is to change their mindset about food. Like every time you're going to eat a meal or a snack, you have the opportunity to take in nutrients and to give your body energy. So instead of looking at food as the bad guy, it is actually this amazing thing that's going to help fuel your body and your brain. So what you're eating is going to affect every single thing that you do that day. So everyone eats every day, usually like, you know, at least three times a day, sometimes more, sometimes less. But every time we take something into our mouth, we have the ability to increase or decrease our health. Well, I love that. And also gives you a little bit more of a sense of control. Like we can actually control things more uh, than we think. Something that you said really, um, really struck me that, you know, sometimes we eat at least three times a day or sometimes more, sometimes less. Are there sort of optimal meals? I've heard different things. Okay. Let's just go back for a second. I've heard three meals a day. That's what you should aim for. Others have said, you know, five meals a day and have them smaller. Like, is there like a magic formula there? Absolutely not. So it really depends on on you and and your schedule and your goals and so many different factors. So I think a lot of the times with different diets and ways of eating, we hear what other people are doing, or we read in a magazine, you're supposed to have six mini meals a day. And then we start adopting that or right now, intermittent fasting is super possible, or super um, popular, sorry. So everyone's doing that it seems like. So we think that there's there's a certain way of eating, but really everyone is completely different. So some people do so great with intermittent fasting and they feel amazing. Other people feel horrible skipping a meal and it's not good for their blood sugar and they need to have a good breakfast. So I would say stop listening to other people and start listening to your body. Maybe do a little bit of experimenting 
really cue into your hunger signals and figure out the best way that works for you and don't listen to other people. For example, often I find my best day is when I have four meals a day. The three Mm -hmm. meals, it just doesn't work for me. Six meals is way too much, but four meals, that works out perfectly. And again, I really like that idea of like listening to your body. Now, going back to um, our listeners, the busy professionals, taking the time to like get a sense of what we need. Any suggestions there to help? Yeah. So another thing, not just listening to your body, but also your schedule is a huge thing as well. So looking at your day-to-day schedule and figuring out the times that that you're maybe able to eat or when you have to grab something quick and planning ahead a little bit. But the first thing that I recommend to every single person, and I know it's so basic, but you always got to go back to the basics here because people need reminding, is drinking your water. So one of the best things for that busy person, because we'll just completely forget to do this or we don't want to have to take the time to go to the washroom, but water is going to it like for such like an inexpensive um super available product it it has the biggest bang for your buck because uh, just a 10 percent dehydration this can affect your mental um and physical performance so making sure that you're super hydrated i always recommend water first thing in the morning bring a water bottle with you wherever you go have it in your car have it at your desk And always in the morning, water before coffee. (laughs) Yeah, that is so important to emphasize because I think so many of us just grab the coffee first and then that can be dehydrating, I've heard. Absolutely. Coffee is very, it's a diuretic, so it does dehydrate you. So I always recommend having whatever size your coffee is, have at least that in a glass of water beforehand. So if you're having a grande from Starbucks, you want to have the equivalent to a grande of water before. Yeah. And I imagine that you're, I mean, a lot of concerns would be that more liquids going in, the more come out. So busy day, how am I going to find the time to, you know, go to the washroom and make sure that, um, you know, I'm well hydrated at the same time. But I imagine your body kind of gets used to it after a while. Yeah, 100% it will. You'll find at the beginning that you're going to the washroom a little bit more, but then you'll, you'll adjust. So it'll be fine. Yeah. Okay. So let's go through a day, like a typical day. So we start, um, we start with water and then what about breakfast? And again, that's an issue I've seen certainly with my clients. Um, a lot of people skipping breakfast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very, very common. Um, so breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Your mother was right. <laughs> the, whatever you eat. So breakfast, the definition is you're breaking the fast. So you just fasted all night and haven't eaten anything for, you know, maybe eight to 12 hours. So whatever you're the first thing that you're eating in the daytime, and that doesn't have to be at 7am, that could also be at like 11am if that's when you're, you're eating the first thing. But that is when you're breaking the fast. And it is so essential that that meal has protein in it. So that meal is going to set up your blood sugar for the rest of the day. So in North America, we focus on carbs for breakfast. Mm. So we want bagels and cereal and, you know, high sugar yogurts or smoothies, maybe donuts. That's a very (laughs) popular thing for Canadians. Um, So all not that there's anything wrong with any of these foods, but the issue is if there's a lack of protein in the meal. 
So it just focusing on a breakfast that's high in carbohydrates. What that's going to do, it's going to spike your blood sugar and therefore spike your insulin. And you get on what's called a blood sugar roller coaster for the rest of the day. So you're going to find you're going to crash usually sometimes mid morning, sometimes in the afternoon, that dreaded two to 3 p.m. slump. Sometimes you're crashing when you get home from work, which is the time, you know, you want to be spending with your family or spending time on your own personal things. And then sometimes even this blood sugar crash can affect your sleep, either by not allowing you to fall asleep or you're waking up at two to three in the morning when you should be sleeping. So sometimes if people will find this, if they're waking up like consistently in the middle of the night And they're not, they don't necessarily have to go to the washroom. They're not even like super stressed out. Often like the thoughts come in after that, but just this consistent wake up time in the middle of the night, that often indicates that your breakfast does not have enough protein. So as you can see, the breakfast sets you up for the whole entire day. Um, The good news, this is so easy to fix in two to 14 days. So I have clients that have, you know, they need to have their oatmeal in the morning or whatever it is. And then we just switch up their breakfast for a few days and they start to feel amazing and they're not hangry anymore. They're not getting that afternoon slump. They can make it through the day without crashing. And when you have a really busy job, you don't have time to crash. You don't have time for that afternoon nap. Maybe if you're working from home, you can, Mm -hmm. that's awesome. But even still, you're going to decrease your productivity by needing to have that a nap in the middle of the day. Okay. So you say no oatmeal, well, not no oatmeal, but I'm very intrigued by that because I love my oatmeal in the morning, but I add a nut butter to it. Is that enough protein or are we looking for more protein than that? So the goal is you want to aim for 20 to 30 grams of protein for each meal. But again, everyone is different. And for you, Shelly, I would say, how do you feel the rest of the day? Do you feel great? Is your energy consistent? If that's the case, then that breakfast is working really well for you. If you're crashing, if you're hungry an hour later, then maybe we want to add a bit more protein to that. Right, right. Okay, so what does 20 to 30 grams of protein look like in breakfast, for example? Yeah, so we're going to be looking at two to three eggs, um, three quarters of a cup of Greek yogurt, one to two scoops of protein powder. You can even do leftovers for breakfast. So... In other cultures, this is very common. They'll have like fish or chicken for breakfast. And in North America, we're a little bit turned off by that <laughs> because we're so, we've been brought up with all these carbohydrates for breakfast, right? Usually the first thing we want is something sweet. So what I would suggest is finding something that has protein in it that you like and do this experiment for two weeks where you add the 20 to 30 grams of protein to your breakfast. So if you absolutely cannot give up your oatmeal, there's absolutely nothing wrong with oatmeal if that works for you and you love it for breakfast, but maybe add in a bit of Greek yogurt to that, add a bit of protein powder. I even had some clients who will cook in an egg into their oatmeal and that works really, really well for them. So just if you change nothing else, just add the extra protein to what you're having already. Right. What about changing it up? Like, Is it okay to eat the same thing for breakfast every day if it's meeting sort of the, the protein um, requirement and all of that? Absolutely. I find everyone gets into habits and this is something that just makes life easier. So 
every once in a while, like if you're really sick of your breakfast, yeah, definitely change it up. But if you have a breakfast that you love and it works for you, then that's fine. You still have the whole rest of the day to get in the different variety of the different fruits and vegetables or different proteins as well. Right. So I, I don't, I see that there's no fruit in that list of breakfast ideas. And again, I think that's something that we tend to think about first thing in the morning. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Having fruit, I think fruit is a, is a great addition to a breakfast, especially berries. They're very low glycemic and have a super high antioxidant quantity. So adding some berries to your oatmeal would be great or adding them to your Greek yogurt, to your smoothie. But again, it's all about quantity. So if you're only eating an entire pineapple for a breakfast, that's a little bit high in carbohydrates and low in protein. And also the bromelain is going to burn your mouth for the rest of the day. But if you're having a bit of pineapple on the side of your Greek yogurt, then that's great. Okay, excellent. Okay, good. So great breakfast ideas. And now I'm trucking along and feeling really energetic. And it's, I don't know, maybe snack time, maybe lunchtime. Um, what are some suggestions for, you know, sort of the, the next meal of the day? Okay, actually, so I'm going to backtrack, but not really, because the next best thing for you, if this is something you have in your life, is to drink coffee. And the key is to have coffee after your breakfast. Try as hard as possible to not drink coffee before your breakfast because it actually will increase the glycemic index of your breakfast. So even if you're having that healthy oatmeal with the berries, with the protein powder in there, having coffee beforehand will make that meal higher glycemic and it's going to affect your blood sugar more. So coffee is an amazing substance. I am a huge fan of coffee. A lot of people don't want to see a nutritionist because they think we're going to take out their coffee. I've never done that. I'm not a horrible person. (laughs) Um, So the key is using coffee for your benefit. So if you're drinking coffee first thing in the morning on an empty stomach, that's going to affect your blood sugar for the rest of the day. If you wake up in the morning, you have your water, then you have your protein breakfast. And then your coffee afterwards, your energy is actually going to be really, really great for the day. So by doing it in that order, you're not going to get that caffeine crash. So caffeine is like using an energy credit card. You have to pay it back plus interest later. (laughs) However, if you use the minimal amount of caffeine to help help you get through the day, like the minimal, minimal dose that you need, it actually can increase your productivity and help you get more work done. Wow. Wow. I've also heard that it's a performance enhancer for athletes. Yeah, absolutely. It decreases pain. It increases concentration. But again, only if used properly, like any drugs. Right, right, right. Yeah. Fantastic. I love that. I love that. And um, I take it, caffeine can be, um, you can get caffeine in green tea as well. So the same thing apply to green tea, or is that okay to drink that? earlier, like before breakfast? Green tea has a little bit lower of a dose of caffeine. So it might be okay. Still, I do recommend trying to have your caffeine after breakfast. But here's the workaround because, you know, I'm a busy person. I have two children. One is very young. So I understand the need for coffee first thing in the morning, right? Especially when the babies don't sleep very well. So the workaround for this is if you absolutely need coffee first thing in the morning, this is a non-negotiable for you, you actually want to add protein to that coffee. 
So I recommend using a, a collagen protein powder. You can find this very widely available. You can get it at grocery stores, at Costco, everywhere. It's tasteless and it's going to give you that little bit of protein so that the coffee's effect is not going to be as harsh. So that is my workaround for absolutely need to have coffee first thing in the morning and parents of young children. (laughs) (laughs) Have to meet those two requirements and then it's okay. (laughs) One or the other, either one, but I'm always, I'm here for you if you need that coffee. (laughs) Excellent. What about, it just got me thinking too, what about that MCT oil? I've heard about adding that to coffee. Is that similar to like adding? Okay. Absolutely. So you're kind of making your coffee into a meal at that point. So this has been popularized by the Bulletproof coffee where they're adding butter and sometimes protein to the breakfast. And it's very known in like keto circles and, and sometimes other diets. But so adding adding that fat to your coffee, you're basically making the coffee the meal. So you don't want to add, you know, a bunch of fats to the coffee and then still have a big meal after that. That might be a lot of food for you. Mm -hmm. However, if coffee is your only meal and you're not eating till lunchtime, that is a really great option. However, if you want to have a, a breakfast earlier in the day, then just adding the protein is fine. Okay, super, super. Yeah. And on that point of fats, I think, you know, a lot of us think, ooh, fat, we should stay away from it. But you're saying, no, add that to your coffee and to other things. Um, yeah. What are, what are your thoughts on, on fat and how much is too much or is, could there be too much fat? So there could be too much of anything. You can drink too much water. It's very rare, but it is, um, it is possible. So, with fats, it's all about the quality, not as much the quantity. So we want to stick with, um, actually saturated fats are very stable. So as long as they're from a good quality source, they are a good addition to the diet. And sometimes when, when we say this as nutritionists, like for example, coconut oil is really good for you, then people really just overdo it, right? So you don't want to be sitting there eating a jar of coconut oil or a stick of butter. That's not what I'm saying. Still use it in, you know, in a good uh, portion size. But if you look at the blue zones where different parts of the world where they either are lacking in disease or living to over 100, their diets are very, very different. So some of them are extremely high in saturated fats and very low in fruits and vegetables. So we see through looking at different cultures, it's not actually the amount of fat, it's the quality and also the absence of processed foods. So at the end of the day, fats are very good for you in really good qualities like avocados, olive oil, fish and omega-3s with some saturated fats really great for your skin, your hair, your brain is mostly fat. So it's super essential. The key is to be limiting the processed foods. That is a whole other topic we could talk about (laughs) for hours. I was going to say, wow, yeah, how do we do that in our society, especially when we're so busy and we're looking for that quick fix Um, or not necessarily the quick fix, but just something that's easy to put together. Yeah, absolutely. A lot, a lot of the work we do with our clients is to get rid of that fear of food and the fear of fats, because a lot of people have been brought up with that. But once they see the results of like most of our clients, our first goal is to get them to eat more. 
because they're in that like restrictive mindset. And once they start eating more and they start eating more protein and eating a bit of extra fat, they feel so amazing and their energy and their mood is so stable that they'll never go back. Oh yeah. Makes such good sense. But you know, making that, making that change, that's pretty difficult. Uh, Absolutely. yeah, so I want to go there in a second, but I also don't want to f- forget about the other meals of the day. Like we've gotten to breakfast and, you know, we've had our coffee after breakfast. So what's next? Or let's say we're, we're at lunch. Suggestions for lunch. Absolutely. So for lunch and dinner, I kind of usually group these into the same category because people will often eat the same types of foods, whereas breakfast is like people have very specific breakfast food. So for lunch and dinner, again, the key is focusing on protein, but making sure you always have easy protein on hand. So it's so easy to get fats in our diet. It is so easy to get carbohydrates in our diet, but protein, that is a more difficult macronutrient to get. You're not always able to cook a chicken breast or, you know, cook some chickpeas while you're at at the office, right? So having easy proteins either at your desk or at your in your cupboard at home, things like canned fish or smoked fish that you don't have to heat up, canned beans and lentils, eggs are so easy. Like eggs for, for dinner is one of the best, like I can't overemphasize that, like such a great dinner meal. Um, some cheese, maybe some of those little baby bells or cheese strings. And my son loves those. So I, those are always a snack for me um, or prepackaged yogurt. So having those quick proteins on hand and when in doubt, add some protein powder to a meal. So having that with you, again, like at your office at home. So if your meal is a little bit lacking in protein, you can add a little bit on the side. And I'm not saying you're a bodybuilder here and you need 100 grams of protein at every meal. Just our goal is 20 to 30 grams for each meal. Okay. So it wasn't just breakfast at 20 to 30. That's uh, something we want to aim for for each of the meals. Absolutely. So most most people in North America, they'll have maybe five grams for breakfast and then maybe 10 for lunch and then 85 for dinner and they'll have like a big steak. Right. So what we're doing, we're taking the same amount of protein. We're just spreading it out throughout the day. Yeah. And I can see the benefit uh, too, in terms of stabilizing your blood sugar. If you're getting the same amount throughout the day, you're not having those like huge um, influx of, of protein and at the end of the day, when we don't really need it as much. <laughs> Absolutely. It can be difficult, especially in the form of steak. Since I use that example, it's very difficult to digest right before bed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned, uh, you mentioned eggs a lot. I'm just wondering, can we, well, you've already answered this. Yes, we can eat too much of any of anything. So yes, we can have too many eggs, but going back to something I'd heard about cholesterol and eggs, and should we be cautious with the number of eggs that we eat? So eggs have been one of those foods that have been villainized extremely. So yes, you want to look at your overall cholesterol. So if you're having eggs and bacon and sausage and steak and hamburgers every single day, maybe we want to look at that overall picture. But eggs themselves are an amazing food product. So they contain almost all of our known nutrients. They're super inexpensive. They're super available and so easy to make. So anytime that you are stuck on a dinner, you know, scrambling some eggs, 
and whatever veggies you have on the side, that can be a really, really great meal. So I'm very pro eggs. I would say don't eat them every single day, but five times a week is awesome. Okay. So like 10, five times a week as in two eggs, five times a week. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. Woo. Game changer, Rachel. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Another food that I, I heard was getting a bit of a bad rap too um, was avocado. It's good, but it can also, we can have too much of it. And this is a funny thing. So um, anyone who knows me or has been following me for any amount of time knows my love affair with avocados. So, and it goes back to this because they did some new study came out that said an avocado a day keeps the doctor away. So it's not an apple. It's actually an avocado. (laughs) So me and one of my employees, we did this TV segment on all the ways you can use avocados. And we ended up having 40 leftover avocados afterwards because we had to open up the perfect avocado on live TV. (laughs) <laughs> we've had avocados no so that's no easy feat so we literally bought all the avocados in the city and then we had all these leftovers so we split them up and we each ate like 20 avocados i've never felt so amazing in my entire life as i did that week wow they they're so good um anyway so this is this is my challenge for you because you said you know you can eat too many avocados yeah. i challenge you to try to eat more than one like sit down with an avocado and a spoon and you're going to get so full because that fat is so filling. So although avocados have a higher calorie count than let's say, you know, having that bit of pineapple, maybe the avocado is so filling that you're going to get to a point where your eye cannot eat any more of this and you're not going to need to eat for a few hours. Whereas wow. that pineapple or like insert a granola bar or processed food it's going to have a lower calorie count. So you might think that's a better option, but you're going to be hungry a half an hour later. Right, right. Wow. And that just, I never thought of having an avocado for a snack, like an avocado, like you mentioned this, I never even thought of eating it with a spoon. I usually just cut it up and put it into a salad or whatever. But how about that for a snack? Like an avocado. Absolutely. And this is my cheat breakfast that I tell people when I do presentations and I go through the whole blood sugar cycle. This is what I tell them to experiment with. The, one of the best breakfasts is two eggs and one or maybe a half an avocado if it's a, one of those really big Costco ones and have that for breakfast for a week and then tell me how you feel. And I've had people email me after saying that like, I feel so amazing, like having that for a breakfast because it's just such a great quantity of some really great protein in there and some really great fats. And it's very filling and delicious because you can have it in different ways as well. Right. Right. Oh, I like that. I think I'm going to take you up on that challenge because uh, yeah, I got the sense that oatmeal may be like not the best thing to be having every day, but I've got into the habit. So how do we break the habit And yeah, how do we sort of set ourselves up so that we can uh, introduce all of these wonderful foods and ideas that you've just mentioned? So I would have to say hire a nutritionist because (laughs) this is what this is literally what we do for a living. We take out all the all the guesswork. But I think the key is just having a little bit of preparation. So one of my favorite quotes is if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And we have to eat every single day. It's like people get to the end of the day and they're like, oh my God, dinner. I totally didn't think of anything as if they may not have to have dinner. You're going to be hungry tonight. You're going to be hungry again tomorrow. So 
having a little bit of planning. And I don't mean you need to go crazy meal planning, have all those Tupperwares and, you know, post it on Instagram, even just planning the next day or planning what you're going to have for breakfast or planning what's going to be for dinner for the next couple of nights. It doesn't have to be extreme, but a little bit of planning goes a long way. And anytime you're making a meal, like if you want to do that avocado egg challenge, (laughs) don't just make the eggs for that one day, hard boil a bunch of eggs for the whole week, or maybe make like a quiche or a frittata or something, or little egg muffins. You just put some veggies in a muffin tin with and mix the egg in and then bake that until it's set. And then you have that every single morning. So try to anytime you're making something double or triple the recipe, because it's going to be the same amount of work, the same amount of dishes but you're going to just get more food out of it. So I never cook for one meal. I don't know how people do that. That just seems so time consuming to me. I'm a big batch cooker, but I'm not like a meal planner in the sense that I have all my meals planned for the whole week. Doing a, like a little bit of meal planning, making some muffins that you love to have, or you know, cooking some chicken breasts or cooking up some veggies that you can have throughout the week is a great option. Yeah. And then I, um, when you're talking about batch cooking too, like taking advantage of the freezer. Yes. Yes. Highly recommend having a good freezer. If, if you're using that, if you have a big family to maybe invest in like a little, little deep freezer or something, because you can batch cook, like, especially this time of year, I find this time of year, it's almost easier to, to eat healthy because I love comfort food, like stews and chilies and soups and things like that. And that's so easy to triple the recipe and to freeze half of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, love it. Love it. One thing we didn't talk about, which for me is so important, snacks. We've mentioned a couple of things that, um, you know, whether it's protein or things just to sort of generally have on hand, but any ideas for snacks and should we be aiming for protein in our snacks as well? Yeah. So it might be a little bit less important for having the protein in the snack, as long as you're having a lot of protein in your meals. So with a snack, you almost want to think about the purpose of the snack. So some people have a snack just because they think they need to eat every three hours. And you actually might get into the habit of overeating because you don't necessarily, you're not listening to your body or listening to what you read in a magazine. So always think of why you need that snack. Like, am I legitimately hungry? If so, yes, 100% have that snack. If you need to make it, if you look at your schedule and you have meetings the whole rest of the day and you don't have time to eat a meal in there, sometimes it's it's the best thing to have like a this like plan ahead snack so that you're having something that's going to like tide you over. That's that's a great even if you're not super hungry but you know that you won't have time to eat, then that's also a really great option. Or maybe you want to head to the gym later and you're going to, you know, you're going to need that little bit of fuel. Those are all really, really great options to have a snack. So in those cases as well, making sure that you have a little bit of protein. So for example, if you're going to have an apple, then adding a little bit of almonds to the side or some peanut butter with that or something, maybe some cheese as well. Right. What about those um, processed protein bars? (laughs) So those are good (laughs) emergency food. Again, like some of them taste so good. They taste like a candy bar. So people are having them thinking it's really healthy for them. And they, you know, are wondering why their pants are getting a little bit tight. 
So again, like for emergencies, I call this purse food or briefcase food, always have a snack in your bag or at your desk. So that if you don't have the opportunity to eat, you have that emergency option. But having it every day as your go-to snack, usually those things are meal replacements. So having a whole meal as a snack is not necessarily the best option because it's not as filling as a meal. Your body's not, your eyes aren't seeing this big plate of food and you're not having that meal experience. But in terms of the calories or maybe the fat in it or maybe the sugar, it's the equivalent to a meal. So it might be too much. And depending on the different bars. So again, I always have a bar in my bag. So that that will be the option if there is absolutely nothing else to eat. Right. Yeah. It's better to have that than to not have anything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just wondering if you can identify some of the main barriers that you've seen in the work that you do, particularly with lawyers, to healthy eating. Definitely. So I would say the number one barrier is decision fatigue. So as a lawyer, you are making really big life-altering decisions all day long. And then you get home and it's, what am I going to make for dinner? I cannot make one more decision. (laughs) Absolutely cannot make this decision. So you're lacking. It's not just the time. It's possibly not the education. It's possibly not like the financial means to make good meals. It's that decision fatigue. So this is where when you have a little bit of a plan going into it, a little bit of a plan for the week, then you're going to be set up so that when you come home on a you know, Thursday night, you're exhausted. You have you don't have to think, right? You already have something that's super easy. You have that really easy protein and you can throw something together really quickly. Yeah. Oh, I totally relate to that. And I love that um, expression, decision fatigue. I've never heard that before, but wow, it really captures um, the feeling. Absolutely. I've, I've been there many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Other things that would prevent us, even though we have the knowledge and we think we're motivated to eat better or to take sort of better care of ourselves in terms of nutrition, other things that might get in the way. I think a huge thing, and this affects everyone, is marketing. Companies, like their job is to sell more products. So they have really amazing marketing on their food products, whether they're advertising something as low fat or fights cholesterol, lowers cholesterol, or great source of omegas or whatever it is. We sometimes we see those things and without having the time possibly to like read all the labels and figure out what's actually in it, we just see those things. And, you know, we all want to do what's best. No one wants to feed their family garbage. But so we're, we're looking at these food products and we're looking to the government to make sure that everything is filtered and it's really good quality for us. However, that's not always the case. So the marketing of these big companies, that is a huge, that affects everyone. So you'll even see things like this is organic or this is gluten-free or this is vegan. That does not mean that it's healthy. You can have organic, vegan, gluten-free chocolate cupcakes, and it's still just a chocolate cupcake. Just the ingredients are a little bit different. So kind of looking beyond the marketing and using common sense as much as possible. Yeah. So well said. So well said. And then... (laughs) You brought up a favorite food of mine and I can't believe we haven't talked about it yet. Dark chocolate is like, oh my goodness, I don't think I can go a day without 
eating it. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? I think that's a great snack. So dark chocolate is the darker, the better. So again, food marketers have are well aware that nutritionists recommend dark chocolate because it is healthy for people. So they try to make it more appealing to the whole population. And usually how they do that is they add more sugar to it because mm-hmm. most people, they need a certain level of, of sweetness in their products in order to eat them. And dark chocolate is extremely bitter. So what I recommend is having the highest percentage of cocoa that you can with the lowest amount of sugar. So this does require a little bit of label reading. And you can also wean yourself off the sugar as much as you can. Again, like 100% dark chocolate, that is intense. (laughs) Not everyone is cut out for that, nor should you be. But so trying for the, the highest cocoa content with the lowest amount of sugar, and then slowly working your way up to even more, a higher cocoa content and even lower amount of sugar. Because that's, that's the thing. Are you wanting the chocolate or are you wanting the sugar? Which is the thing that you're craving? If it's the chocolate, then that is actually such an amazing snack for you. Usually you don't need very much of it. And cocoa is one of the highest sources of magnesium, which is a mineral that we burn through when we're stressed. So when you are a busy person, you're most likely burning through lots of magnesium and magnesium is going to help you relax. It's going to help you get to sleep. It's going to lower your blood pressure. Wow. So now I'm thinking maybe not just after lunch, I have chocolate, but maybe after dinner also, because maybe it'll help me sleep better. (laughs) Well, it can contain a small amount of caffeine. So I think after lunch is perfect if that's your, your time for it. But be mindful of that if you're having it in the evening. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, Rachel, what a delight speaking with you. Uh, such an important topic and it just you are a wealth of information. So I thank you so, so much for sharing with us. I'm just wondering if there's anything that we didn't touch on that you think would be useful to pass on to listeners. Oh my gosh. You know that I can talk forever. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess one last little piece of information um, because it's such an important thing especially for people who are really busy and they're really stressed out is exercise. And I'm not going to tell you to go to the gym because that's another thing on your to-do list, but finding something that you love and exercising because you love your body, not because you hate it. And because it's the best thing for your mental health. So Mm -hmm. even if that is just going for a quick walk after dinner, which is actually also amazing for your blood sugar and your insulin, but finding something that you love that is something that is not is not another to do on your to, on your to do list. It is something that you look forward to. If whether that's yoga, maybe it is going to the gym because you love it. Maybe it's going for a hike or a bike ride with your family. Maybe you're just walking by yourself. Whatever you need to do, I would say take that time for yourself. Yeah. Oh, I love that, and I also love the idea that it doesn't have to be something huge. Like it's not this. I mean, I am a lawyer, so I can say this, but you have a tendency to be sort of all or nothing thinkers. So I like the idea that it just, you know, it doesn't have to be huge thing, but has to be something you like and um, make sure you add it to your day for a whole host of reasons. And if you can get out in nature, all the better. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, Well, Rachel, how can listeners learn more about you and the work that you do? Definitely. So you can check out our website, cabinnutrition.com. So it's C-A-V-E-N nutrition. Um, you can check out our Instagram, which is cabin underscore nutrition. And then we have a free Facebook group as well called Cabin Nutrition's Group. 
Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, thank you again, Rachel. Really, really enjoyed speaking with you. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for joining me today on the XL Legal Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I'm always looking for topic and guest ideas. So if you have any suggestions for future episodes, I'd love to hear from you at xllegal.com. That's E-X-E-L-L-E-G-A-L.com.